Hello, friends. I'm Malie Pompadit, CEO of the SOAR Community Network and co-founder of SOAR Community Nebula, a community and movement where conscious, compassionate, and transcendent leaders are connecting and collaborating for greater social good. Welcome to the SOAR Community Network's Change Agent interview series. Today, we are interviewing my friend, Dennis Patoko. Hi, Dennis. How are you? Hi, I'm Mally. It's wonderful to be back with you. Thanks for the invitation. I am so delighted that you're here and honored that you said yes to being a part of this interview series and our movement here at SOAR Nebula. Please, please, please introduce yourself and share with us and our audience who you are and the wonderful work that you're doing in the world. Oh, wow. Thanks. I hope you have enough time for this, but I'll keep it brief. Um, we, I'm just, I'm delighted to say that just this month, Molly, we are celebrating a decade of rediscovery, which means we have been around, and I'll define what we is in just a minute, but uh, we just went over the 10-year mark a few days ago, and what we is would be two things. One would be Biz Catalyst 360, which is our award-winning site, and I'm the editor and publisher and founder of that. And the other thing is what we call 360 Nation, which is kind of an umbrella that we tuck all the other good stuff we do, which would be the website. We have a, uh, a nonprofit foundation. We do just a lot of work around the world to try to create positive ripples of change. And frankly, I'm just the orchestra conductor. I've got so many marvelous people like you out there playing the music, whether it be through your writing or through what you're doing today. And this thing is just keeps evolving over the years. And we were just recently sitting down to write an article saying, you know, what's really happened over the past 10 years. And um, I don't want to give a tease on it just yet, but where the title of the article is going to be along the lines of seasons of love um, and everything that you can tuck under that title, that'll be coming out very soon, but uh, it's been an exciting time. We're blessed to be doing what we're doing and happy to just particularly now, particularly when all change is going on around the world. Yes. Well, thank you so much for everything that you and your team have done over the last decade and even before that to lead you up to this work that you're doing now and to bring a community of folks like myself who happen to be a part of your community and feel so honored to be a part of your community to contribute to being one of the voices of the hundreds of thousands of voices out there who are, again, very similar to our passion creating real social good in the world, inspiring and motivating people to be the best versions of themselves. And so this is what this interview series is all about, highlighting change agents, conscious transcendent leaders. So let's step back in your life now. And I'm going to ask you, when in your life have you experienced kindness and empathy and compassion or a helping hand from a leader or leaders who have really paved the way for you? Can you give an example of you know, someone or maybe just an anecdote of what made you become the man that you are and want to be a, a force for good in the world? I will. Great question. I will go back to my time before running this uh, publishing uh, enterprise. And that was my, my background is in international banking. I traveled and did things around the world for about 35 years. And I was just blessed is the word you're going to hear me say a lot, because I really mean that early in my career, I was just getting into the banking world. I was kind of working my way up the career path. And I didn't know it, Molly, but I was tucked under a guy. His name is Phil Goldsmith. Uh, God bless him. He's still around. He's retired now. 
And he was what I would call a Renaissance man. He had been a banker. He had been a lawyer. He had been a politician. He had been a writer. He just brought all this experience to the banking world uh, at a time where the banking world was realizing it had to change. So he was he was high up there in the uh, hemisphere of bankers. I was fortunate that he hired me uh, and I was relatively young, a lot of experience, but still relatively young to do some very what I call impossible things in a large bank um, in the Pittsburgh area. It was probably the way to describe it, wanting to take the existing bank, which had been around for 100 years, and kind of shock it into the future. Well, that's why he recruited me, because I was coming from outside the bank uh, versus hiring somebody inside to keep creating. During that quest to do that, and he basically said, you know, here's the checkbook. I'm behind you. Go do what you have to do to make this work. Now, the practical side of that was relatively straightforward. It was a lot of hours. I hired a lot of good people, and I won't take credit. It was an amazing success story in the end because because of the people that worked with me. But during that time, I came upon a uh, situation because I was assuming a very large division of the bank at the same time. And the best way to define it is I found some, uh, I'm sorry, I discovered that the books were being cooked, as they say. The numbers weren't what they were supposed to be within this large division, and it dated back years. Oh. Now, people say that you, know, you, you discover something like that, that's when you define yourself. Because I had a couple choices, Mally. I could have just said, oh, well, that's the way it is, and just move on. Or I could have said, I need to do something with this. Well, I took the position I needed to do something with this. I could feel my career flashing before my eyes. And uh, my job was to take it to the president of the bank at the time and say, here's what I've discovered. Now, here's the challenge with that. And I'll keep it brief. The gentleman that I was going to be undermining with those numbers had been a, uh, a part of the bank for 30 years. It was, it was in the highest levels of the bank, and he was a friend of the president, and he reported to the president. And here I am, this young whippersnapper coming in saying, look what I found. Well, I lost a lot of sleep the night before. I went in. I presented it to the president. I didn't know whether I was going to be shuffled out, and they just go on with the numbers being, or I'd be, uh, whatever would happen to me. I'm happy to say that the president uh, thanked me for coming forward. The gentleman that um, had been cooking the books uh, was retired to spend more time with his family, which was a very big deal at that bank. And uh, then I had a chat with the gentleman that hired me, Phil. He wasn't part of that chain I just went up through, but he was on the sidelines. And he said, you know, you have, you have very few opportunities in your life, Dennis, to uh, define yourself. He said, you just did. And he said, there's that age old definition we've all heard about integrity, you know, it's doing the right thing when no one else is watching. Well, I had a choice there and I could have done, I'm not sure it would be the wrong thing, but I could have done nothing. Maybe that's a way to put it, but I chose to do it. And I've, I've faced situations like that ever since then, maybe not as large, Mally, little situations, because you're always bumping into questions about integrity, no matter what business you're in. And I've never forgotten that experience. So I've always said, you know, do the right thing no matter what. Now, people will challenge me occasionally. They say, well, Dennis, how do I know what the right thing is? It's my opinion that when you get to the age of reason, 
you can pick an age. You know, when you're a little kid, you know, mom and dad are telling you what not to do and you're doing it anyhow. And you know, it's wrong, but you're going to do it. Well, you get to the point where you know what's right and wrong. And I think any adult having that discussion with me today, they know what's right or wrong. It's tougher to do the right thing very often, but it has paid so many dividends for me in terms of looking back on choices that I could have gone the other way and how I've been blessed by the right choice. And I truly believe in good karma. And I think good karma comes full circle, much the same way bad karma. So uh, that was life changing for me, Mally. And that has been my compass ever since then. That's really powerful. I, I truly got chills when you were speaking about the defining moments in our lives. I think all of us will get to moments where they change us forever. Mm. And uh, so thank you so much for sharing one of those big moments for you. And I think this is the perfect segue into what you have just described, the story you shared. When you think of a community builder or champion of change, you mentioned your hiring manager, you mentioned the president who really saw your value. Um, When you think of others who have created change for, for others and developed good people, good souls, what characteristics come to mind of these types of extraordinary leaders? It would have to be what people now call, they put it under the soft skills bucket. But let me define it a little differently. If you go back to what's happened to us all in the last say, 18 months to two years with the pandemic and all the businesses that suddenly people are working at home or the, the world's changed around them. And I've encountered corner office executives, both male and female, that are suddenly um, unable to decide how to manage these people because they weren't used to having or embracing those terms called uh, humility, gratitude, generosity, empathy. I can go down that entire list, but if you think about it in your business career, I know in my entire career, whether it be coming up through high school, college, bank training, never was I taught, and I'm not, it's a tough thing to teach, something as simple as empathy. Um, But now you're blindsided by the pandemic and you're forced to do what maybe your human resources department used to do. And that is deal with all those people out there. Well, now Dennis is on the front line. I'm now dealing with people around the world that I'm dealing with on Zoom. And I've got to show a little more patience, a little more, you know, generosity, all those words, kindness, for lack of a better term, just balance all the all the adjectives. And um, I've seen a lot of startup. consulting companies come across now that are focusing exactly on that. I mean, I can list a dozen words, but I think you know what I talk about when I'm saying soft skills, Mally. There are people that haven't been trained in it. Most of us haven't. So either learn it on the firing line, because I don't know that you can fake it. But if you can couple that with leadership skills, which most people have been trained in one way or another, boy, that that certainly creates what I would call the... um, the company of the future, where you and I may not want to go back to that old company with all those rigid roles. But if Dennis is over there recreating something, then he's showing people skills or soft skills that might make it a bit more attractive. And I mean, beyond salary, just because I'm now rethinking how I want to run my life. I've got to have a job. I would rather be in a place where I'm looking forward to going into every day and perhaps making a difference and learning a whole new way to run a business than I would to make a little bit more money, but go back to what I'll call my robotic environment. Essential skills. 
These, these are not soft skills any longer. These are essential skills for the future, the future of workplaces, for the future of what it means to be a real leader, for the future of humanity. We have to lead with empathy and compassion if we're going to survive what we are already experiencing, the tumultuousness of the chaos of what's happening with the globe changing, with the earth, Mother Earth, sending us signals, all of these things that we have to be mindful of. So Dennis, as you know, uh, we are here um, at the SOAR Community Network to help leaders design what we're calling a C3 workplace culture or C3 community. And that the three Cs are really representative of organizations or communities where compassionate leaders are thriving, where cohesive teams are innovating and driving change where collaboration is fostered at every level. So my question to you is, what are some of the ways you believe your work has helped to create more compassion and cohesion and collaboration throughout your community? Well, we've been in a unique position. When we say my work, that would be the publishing that we do primarily and the events that we do. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm gonna go back to that magical word called blessed. We've been blessed to be able to do what we do without an economic incentive, which means we don't do advertising, um, nothing we do is for money. It's for good. Now you can, that's where the vision started 10 years ago, Mally. And I know you part, know part of the story, but having the freedom to say to people like you, um, you know, write what's on your heart, make a difference through your writing. You know, we know that the stories we tell literally make the world different. If you want to change the world, change your story a little bit, your own personal story. That's how you create community because people see themselves in those stories. So we started out with that thinking, saying if we can just get the storytellers out there and say to them, people like you, Mally, don't worry about being boxed in, right? You may be an expert in X, but write about Y if you have a passion for Y. Now, we didn't know if that was going to work, but here we are 10 years later, almost 900 writers and 27,000 articles out there. And we know, and we can now verify through the readership that authentic storytelling from the heart is what people want to see. And even more so today because of the world that's changing. People are worried. People are scared. They're looking for guidance. And if I can see Mally's heart in her story, um, that tells me that I'm not alone, that she's been down that road. I'll see pieces of me that suddenly I feel better and I can exhale a little bit. And that might inspire me to do things differently uh, versus trying to research something on Google or go to the library because you haven't seen this before. Well, Dennis, I have to tell you, I loved our conversations when we first met because you were the first publisher to ever tell me, you want to write poetry? Write poetry. <laughs> I mean, you know, because in the past, when I when talked to publishers, and I've written several books now, they would say, we're not sure poetry doesn't sell. And so when I launched my memoir, I said, okay, I'm going to write a memoir, but I'm going to put my poetry in there. And so when <laughs> you, you told me that it was fine, if you wanted to explore and express your, your lived experiences through poetry, we'll publish it. And I thought, wow, this is a magical place to be. So again, thank you so much for, for presenting an, an old traditional format in such a modern, unique, free-spirited way, because it does make oh a difference. Oh, you're welcome. 
Okay, as we come to the close, a couple more questions come to mind. Do you have a motto that you live by or a quote that inspires you when you are feeling a little off-centered? What, what helps bring you back? Uh, are there words that you live by? Well, I have to go back to what I've already said, and I can't help it. It's just always doing the right thing, you know, no matter what, because that just keeps resonating in our personal lives. I can tell story after story, my wife and I, and how that doing the right thing and those choices that we make on a day-to-day -day basis have positively impacted other lives. And it's come full circle back to us. So, and there are just so many opportunities to, to do the right thing or do more beyond that. That's great. What does a better world look like through your eyes? Oh, wow. It's when people truly, truly uh, take time to rediscover what we've been searching for for years, and that's humanity. It's out there. You've already touched upon some of the magic words like compassion, cohesion, collaboration. And I don't mean just discover those, Mally, but like you're doing, let's do something with it. Let's walk the talk for one day, for one week, for one, try it. Because, you know, when, when it's not working, you know, the, the greatest question you can give to somebody that's having tough times in their job, home life, you know, how's that working for you? What have you done and how's it working for you? It's obviously not working for you. So let's do something dramatically different at a time where I believe the world's looking for difference makers like that. Um, and the ripple effect and the positive ripples can come from that are just just remarkable. You make my heart smile every time I speak with you. <laughs> I can speak to you for hours and hours and hours because one, we have such shared values um, and we, we have the same hopes for this planet, for humanity. And I just love being able to be around people who have a vision to create real change so we can leave this place really, truly better. And sometimes it just feels so overwhelming. Like, can we actually do that? Can one person make such a ripple effect that changes anything just because yeah. there's so much that this world is facing? And Amen. the answer for me in my heart is yes, one person can. I only need to impact another human in this right. lifetime and I would have made a difference. So one, you have making one, a difference. One person at a time, you're right. One ripple and it's amazing how those ripples create waves over time. We've seen it. It's taken a long time to get there, but we're seeing it and uh, so I could confirm that it's the right path to go these days. Dennis, I <laughs> adore you. I appreciate you. I thank you. And I thank your team for all that you do. Can you please help my audience, our audience, now collective audience, learn how they can learn more about you, about your organization, about publishing, all of those sure. things. What's the uh -huh. best place to go? We welcome all visitors. We welcome all people that would like to write. And all they need to do is start by coming to bizcatalyst360.com. Everything I've spoken about, 360 Nation, our nonprofit foundation, everything is under that umbrella of bizcatalyst360.com. You'll find me on there. Reach out to me directly if you'd like. If you'd like to start writing or if you're a writer that you just don't know where to go these days and you'd like to write poetry, reach out to me directly. You have a home here. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much again, Dennis. I'm honored You're to welcome. know you. I'm Always so a pleasure. Thank you. Thank uh, you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of our Change Agent series. To learn more about developing transcendent leaders, developing yourself, becoming a change agent, honoring other change agents inside your organization, 
and also how to build your C3 community or workplace culture, please visit us at SOAR, S-O-A-R, communitynetwork.com. I thank you again, and we'll see you next time. Take care, everyone.